I'm Anthony Padilla, and I spent a day with Filza to uncover the truth about the five relentless years he spent surviving and crafting a world block by block, only to lose it all. And how that single moment of failure catapulted his career to incomprehensible heights. He'll reveal how he went from making so little money, the government couldn't even tax him, to now supporting his entire family. And he'll address how the peer pressure to murder a main character in front of millions almost ruined him. Hello, Phil. Nice to meet you. By the way, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. Your story of how you exploded, I think is incredible because it began with devastating failure. Yeah. You were playing hardcore Minecraft, meaning that if you die in the game, that is it, that is a permadeath. And you spent five years yep. on this one single playthrough. Yep. And then a baby zombie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> say it, took you say out. It. Let me relive it. <laughs> Sorry to give you flashbacks. But you had thousands of hours of gameplay on there. I'd spent a lot of time in it. It was mainly the only version of Minecraft that I liked playing. You enjoyed the high risk. Yes. <laughs> the one wrong move and you were gone forever. Pretty again. much, it just made everything more significant. Everything I did, everything I made could just be gone in a flash. What did that feel like in that moment when you lost everything? Devastation, grief, and like disbelief and then eventually acceptance and like eventually I started like tearing up because I was like realizing like oh shit it's yeah. actually just gone. I feel like most people would consider that to be the biggest failure. In that moment you actually gained recognition around the world. You were like memed like crazy. It was nuts because of everyone just spreading it and just being like ha it's pretty funny but oh my god that sucks. The news companies picked it up and I, I was on the BBC. My gran like called me afterwards was like well, I just saw you on the telly. I was like, yes gran. <laughs> What did that teach you about failure? You fail hard at something, the only way is up afterwards. If you give up, then what was the point of the failure? You don't learn anything, mm -hmm. you don't get any better. At the time, I was just devastated. It's a necessary like part of growing and necessary part of just getting better. Do you have any idea how many hours you put into that, that specific I can file. get you the exact It yeah. was a lot. <laughs> is it thousands? It was days, days of hours. So yeah, it was like thousands. It, it, went, it went up. I remember just being like, I can't believe that just happened. I wake up, go to work, come back from work, and then I notice there's like a, a Reddit post that's gaining a lot of traction. One of my friends who was in the stream at the time yeah. clipped it on Twitch. Uh... And then someone else took that clip, posted it to Reddit. I think they posted it a live stream fail. <laughs> and then after that, it just went and I was like, the views keep climbing. It's on 60,000. And then the next day it was on 100,000. And I was like, it's not stopping. Again, I kept waking up, going to work, coming home, and it was just like climbing and climbing and climbing. I think the BBC interview was the wildest because I was on national television. They wanted me to come down to the studio and I was like, no. <laughs> You're like on stream. That sounds stressful. A lot of the news outlets just focused on how funny it was. Even the presenter of the BBC was like in disbelief when he was talking about it. He's like, yeah. you lost it to a baby zombie. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> How did that start changing your numbers in terms of viewership, subscribers, all that? Slow at first, it was like a couple of hundred and it stayed at a couple of hundred for a bit. It got higher and higher and higher when they realized I was going to keep playing hardcore and I was going to try and beat the next record. Mm. I was like, oh man, 
I should probably start uploading more content to YouTube as well. Mm. So in doing that, it also brought more people in. I made a montage of the five-year world as well, which mm. really popped off. I think that's sitting at like 20 million views or something. Damn! Um, I think making that was the main kind of like jump off point. But if I hadn't made that montage, I don't think it would have gotten shared as much as it did. What was your childhood like? I think kids growing up now do spend a ton of time playing video games. Oh yeah. But the difference was back then when I was younger, it was just a very solo thing. And I just did not want to go outside or play with anybody. Mm. I remember my mom being like really worried about me. She was like, he's not going to grow up like with any friends, going to have like social anxiety, mm. all this stuff, which I kind of did. But <laughs> besides <laughs> the point, I was just all about video games. Um, and I, I, I liked just the control and like the basic mm -hmm. sort of like, I can do this and get good and just grow from there pretty much. Was there a reason that you avoided interacting with other kids? Oh, their kids just scared me. I was just always worried because I got bullied a lot when I was younger to such a point where I got moved out of my school to a new one. Back then I had like super blonde hair and I stood out like amongst everybody who had like brown and black hair and I was very pale. <laughs> so I feel like that was like a key factor in it because mm. It was just constant and they'd like pull my hair and stuff and push me on yeah. the ground. Because of that initial bullying at the start, I was just so untrustworthy of just anyone that was nice to me because I mm. thought it was just a trick. One day I listened to my mom and went outside and mm. tried to play with the kids. They heard that I had a, a swing set and a, and a slide in my back garden mm. and they were just like, can we go in your back garden and play on the swing? Can we, can we go? And then I was just like, sure, yeah, I'll trust you. <laughs> It immediately got broke by some big kid on a skateboard. He like rode down it and my mom got like really pissed. She like kicked them out. But I remember speaking to them and they just didn't want anything to do with me. You know how kids can be, they're so mean. Like, yeah. Especially yeah. at a young age. So I just took that pretty hard and just doubled down on being mm -hmm. alone. You can vividly remember one of the first memories that shaped you. Gods, Metroland, <laughs> rest in peace. You know how like when you grow up and like you realize you can only remember back so far. This moment was like the moment my brain turned on. This is like, your, your like first memory that you can remember. It's pretty high up there, yeah. Mm. But it was such a pinnacle moment of me just like realizing that I wasn't invincible. I was just an absolute lunatic child. I would climb on trees. I would jump off buildings. I say buildings, they were like small buildings. Don't worry. <laughs> You're like a parkour kid. <laughs> At a very early age, I was just yeah. climbing on shit I wasn't meant to climb on. Uh -huh. There was these steps that went all the way up to the, the roller coaster. And I remember running up those steps, just like feeling like on top of the world. And my dad just went, whoa, 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 stop. You'll break it. You'll break your spine. You'll, you'll crack your head open. And I was just like, oh. And just froze and then just slowly curled up on a ball on the step. And I remember that was like the, the first moment where I like felt oh shit, I could die at any moment. Like I'm not in control as much mm. as I thought I was. That what happened then uh, leads me to just kind of like plan for the worst in most cases. When I go into like a cinema, for example, I'll know how long it takes to get to the fire exit. When people come in, I'll be like, okay, this person probably can't run very fast. This person definitely is going to get me. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm just thinking, okay, if I, if I get up, I can grab it. We can run that way. It's faster that way. I go down the stairs. I might trip here, but if I do trip, I can fall into this bit. I try to map out every scenario in my head. Have you already mapped out how long it would take you to get out of here? Yeah, roughly about like 10 seconds if I, well, about eight seconds if I <laughs> hop the table. Oh, you're going to hop the but table. But you've got that driveway too, so yeah. I'd have to hop that if it's locked, which I'm assuming it's locked. It's not locked. I mean, it is locked. It is locked. It is locked and we have armed guards. There's several armed guards outside with yeah. guns. <laughs> yes, because it's legal in America. Yep.
When did you start streaming? I want to say 2006 or seven, maybe. It was this on was on Twitch. Justin.tv. Which was called Justin.tv. Yep, the old little monkey in the corner. <laughs> yes. The camera. So I used to make videos and like montages. I would also watch live streams, watching the live stream through Windows Media Player with like this weird link that they gave you. 240p, I think, or less. So I've always been into media and like sharing media. I always yeah. found it like really fascinating and fun. So as soon as I realized I could do that live, I was like, holy shit, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna do it. Did anyone watch you back then? Barely, <laughs> like one to two people maybe. Mm. Um, and then like eventually, the more I did it, the more um, friends I'd made would join and just kind of like hang out and just be like, oh, Phil's streaming, I'll just see what he's up to. What drew you to live stream? Was it feeling like you were with friends? The live interaction with chat, being able to see like some of my friends like respond and stuff to funny mm -hmm. things that happened. And also just kind of having like some sort of a catalog of just stuff that I did. Like anything cool I did on a game wouldn't just be for me anymore. Um, I could share it. Video games were kind of a form of escapism. What were you escaping from? Just reality, pretty much. I was so bored of it. Just, <laughs> just like, reality's yeah, too boring. School, like just having to walk places. <laughs> <laughs> having like, to move my body. Yeah, pretty much. I was just like, man, I really enjoy playing this game where I can fly. That's cool. Like, yeah. Way more fun than real life. <laughs> and you met a lot of people through streaming, even if it was only to like a handful of people, including your wife, yep. who is here. Who's on the back. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, this episode is sponsored by Surfshark VPN, an app and browser extension that lets you virtually place your computer or your phone anywhere in the world and allows you to access the internet as if you were there instead. But why would you want that? Let's say you are in a very particular mood after watching this episode and you want to watch some Minecraft story mode. So you open up Netflix and it's not streaming in your country. Don't worry, I got you. Change your location to the UK where it is available and more animated plot-driven Minecraft than you ever knew existed. Surfshark also adds an extra layer of security when you're online by encrypting all the information sent between your device and the internet, helping to keep all your passwords and your data safe on an unlimited number of devices with just one account. By the way, they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee, so the only risk you run is that you like it too much and you won't be able to exist without it. So visit surfshark.deal Anthony or scan the QR code on the screen to go support them, support us, and surf the web safely from anywhere. Now, back to the world of Filza. I was basically streaming Minecraft Hardcore, the five-year world I lost, and she joined the chat and was just like, hey, what's up? Like, just yeah. wanting to like talk. I ended up taking her on a tour of my whole world at the time. She was in my chat specifically to learn about Minecraft because she used to work with kids. And like, that was something that they were super interested in. So she wanted to know more about it to better kind of reward them, feel good behavior and that. And she was learning from you. Yeah, pretty much. And then you met up in person, the rest was history. Oh dude, you skipped that huge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 10 days later. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of just became friends with like my friends at the same time and then eventually we spent more time together as well playing games like mm -hmm. she was on my streams and stuff mm -hmm. we added each other on discord mm -hmm. so i made like a little server for us just to hang out just for youtube i was like i have this other server but you want to, do you want to join this one just, just hang out and watch movies oh oops there's no one else here except us i think our official first date that i can remember was not even a date on her end but in my head i was like oh my god this is crazy we're alone in a call and we're, <laughs> we're watching tron legacy <laughs> And then yeah. eventually, like later, I, I kind of confess. Rest is history. <laughs>
How much did your financial situation change? Astronomical, it was ridiculous. I'd never seen that much money in my life. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, what the fuck is happening? I felt like I was in Monopoly. I was like, did everyone just land on my square at the same time? What the fuck? I was probably earning just roughly like, I would say, say $14,000 a year. And I was also putting like, half of that into the house with my mother. For a good while, I was barely getting taxed, you know, because I just wasn't earning enough. Yeah. <laughs> People come at my channel like, I'm going to uni, uh, you got any tips on like eating like cheap? And I was like, fucking noodles, <laughs> amazing. Just, you just get tons of noodles for like super cheap, put a bit of ham in them one day, oh. bit of chicken in the next day, mm. bit of sweet corn in the next Ooh, day. so much variation. Every day of the week, you can have a different meal, but it's still noodles. <laughs> You just, you better prepare to start slurping. You're gonna be slurping a lot. You were blowing up, seeing insane numbers on Twitch. You were seeing insane numbers on YouTube, but you still worked at your day job throughout that whole process. Yep, still worked in retail. Even like three of my friends at my retail job who knew what Twitch was, they were screaming at me to quit my job. I was so convinced it was just gonna be one of those like 15 minutes of fame moments where yeah. you just like popular for a bit and then um, So I was like, I'm just gonna take it easy. I'm gonna mm -hmm. keep doing what I've always been doing. I'm gonna make videos, I'm gonna stream mm. and see where it goes. Mm. And if it goes somewhere, then I'll quit. So I think I waited like about two months, maybe three months. So you didn't have confidence that it would go anywhere? No, zero confidence. I was way too like accustomed to the internet as a whole, like how things get viral and yeah. then just disappear. And everyone's oh. always chasing after that sort yeah. of like viral hit. And I was just thinking, well, it's it seems like it's gone viral. I'm being contacted by news outlets all over the place. Yeah. And literally almost everyone has seen it, but I'm still convinced at some point it will go away. I don't want to give up my day job and literally lose my income because I wasn't making a lot of money Anthony, at the time. I was like bare bones, like helping my mom pay the bills. The moment it changed where it like really was a wake up call to me was when I got my first big paycheck from YouTube. I looked at the numbers and I was like, shit, that's like how much I would earn in two years. My job. <laughs> One paycheck. And I made that in a month. And I was like, oh, sh I have to do something. And I put in my two weeks notice not long after that. Much to the hate of my manager, she did not like that. She didn't talk to me for like two weeks. <laughs> the entire two weeks? She like barely said anything. Yeah. Normally she'd be very chatty. Yeah. Did not chat to me at all. What do you think struck her? I think she was just like mad that I was leaving or like got, got successful. I don't know. You fucker, you can follow your <laughs> dreams. You piece of shit. Imagine. <laughs> You were making too little to be taxed on and you were still giving half your paycheck to yep. to help with the family home. At that point, when I had that job, I lost my dad in like 2009. And uh, that was pretty, that was pretty bad. He was already like, not on the way out, but essentially he was already leaving my mother. He was leaving her because like, she could not handle um, just his bullshit pretty much. He drank a lot mm -hmm. and it was, not physical violence, but it was like mental abuse. Mm -hmm. And she put up with it for the entirety of me and my sister's childhood. So it was for you? For us. She is an absolute trooper. Age of like teenager, I kind of knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. I became like her main uh, ally. We tried helping him, he always went back, he always relapsed. He would like literally gaslight my mother into thinking that money was just missing. He would just threaten to leave mm -hmm. every time because we, we were not financially stable without him. He was quite happily just like leaving me, my mother and my sister to just fend for ourselves. So eventually it got to a point where my mother was like, okay, you're old enough, we, we have enough money. I'm gonna get the bottom, I can't take it anymore. Mm. I was like, okay. But then after he died, we were like actually on our own. Mm. So it, it just boiled down to, okay, 
knuckle down. What can we cut? What can we like spend less on? She was like, I'm, I'm going to have to ask more for this month. I was like, absolutely. She already felt guilty about taking money off me. And like she had to ask for more because she was just not like making enough. And I was like, mm. I'll, I'll help. It's no problem. But like when everything started to pop off in 2019 and like I started to become more popular, I was like, holy shit, I can take care of her. Mm. I can like actually look after her now. Like she doesn't have to worry about anything. Was that the first thought that went through your head when you saw your paycheck? Yeah. I remember I was in the car and we were going shopping um, and, I, and I looked at my phone. I got like the email from Google and I was like, Mom, look at this. <laughs> she was like, oh my God. She like, she, she like froze. She had to like yeah. stop where she was on the, in, in the street. And I was like, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what I can do with this. In secret, I paid off the mortgage as a Christmas present. Oh. I rang up the bank and I was like, okay, I want to I wanna do this in secret. Please don't send any email notifications. And then just gave her a little card at Christmas. And she, she broke down. It was like the happiest I think I've ever like seen her. It was just so, so cool to do that. Do you have a fear of losing everything that you've built? I mean, that's always up here, but yeah. I'm very careful. Like, I don't spend too much money. Mm. I'm not investing in risky things, you know. Yeah. I'm not doing anything crazy that would lose everything in a heartbeat. I'll always have those savings. And if everything disappeared tomorrow, I'd be good. I'd be all right. Do you feel pressure to constantly grow or maintain your numbers? To some extent, yeah. People will still watch me if I just hang out and just do what I've been doing this whole time. And I know people will eventually get bored and move on to new things. And that's mm. totally fine. But I don't want to have the pressure mold me to such a way that I change completely. Mm. I want to just do what I like. Mm. And if people want to watch me enjoy things I like, then that's that's cool. But I'm not going to be like, ah, fuck, you know, Minecraft isn't performing very well. I think I'm going to switch to Fortnite. Yeah. I'd much rather just be happier doing what I like to do. And I feel like a lot of people lose sight of that. Communities are built around the person. As long as you're having fun and mm. providing fun content, mm. you can be playing anything. During the Dream SMP, mm. like all my friends were doing like role play on Dream SMP. And that's when it was blowing up with the whole Lemanberg phase. And I was watching them just like skyrocket in popularity. And then uh, my friend Will, Wilbur Sir, yeah, he he convinced Dream to get me on. Mm. He's like, I really want Phil on the server, and I think he can be a good part of the, the team. And Dream was just like, sure, he sounds sounds like a cool guy. Let's, let's get him on. I joined at one of the most pinnacle moments, some would say, and I killed Will. <laughs> so you were a key player, a villain. What's funny about that is I didn't know I was joining to kill him. We secretly logged on and he was like, Phil, I need help with TNT placement. I'm so scared I'm going to blow up the server. Will didn't tell me previously that I was going to kill him or anything like that. He was just like, you're going to show up and you're going to stop me from pressing the button. And I was like, okay. And it's going to fail and everything's going to blow up and that's going to be it. In my head, like we were role playing and I'd never really role played that much. Yeah. And I could tell he really wanted me to kill him. I was like, <laughs> shit, I'm going to have to just, okay, all right. If I don't do it, it's fail RP. <laughs> If I go, Phil, Will, do I, do I kill you? Do I kill you now? That's fail RP. So I just, I committed. And he told me afterwards, he's like, Phil, that was great. I was like, man, you didn't tell me I was going to do that. He's like, better reactions, really, if you don't tell people. True. So, so all true. the reactions to you killing him were real. Yep. Nobody knew. What impact did that have on your viewership? So I went from like 2,000, 5,000 viewers to anywhere from 40,000 to 100,000. And I couldn't quantify the numbers. I was looking at it, I was like, that's not real. And I remember the number, the viewership got so nuts. It started to get to me a little bit. I was like, shit, I need to not look at this number. And I figured out that you can click the button on OBS. If you click viewership, it just vanishes. Little tip for uh, small streamers, by the way. You can just click this 
and hide it. Don't fucking look at the viewer count. It will fucking ruin you. So like, whenever I was streaming and the viewership climbed and climbed and yeah. climbed and climbed, and I noticed it started to mess with me a bit, I was like really self-conscious. I was like, click it. So now just continue. And I just look at chat. I had Tubbo on here and he mentioned you specifically yep. as the person that told him how to turn off the viewer count so it didn't go to his head. Toby really, really needed that. I think it was like messing with him. It's the fluctuation, like yeah. the highs and the lows make you think you're doing something wrong. That's yeah. not necessarily the case. So giving him that option to just like not look at it, I think was is very crucial to a lot of people, not just Toby. At that point, if you're worrying too much about the viewership, you're not entertaining anybody. You're yeah. concentrating too much on numbers. Yeah. You're not having a good time. Yeah. It's just bad all around. Instead of you and your audience, it becomes you and you. Yep. <laughs> it's just you talking to yourself in your head about what does this mean? Yeah. What am I going to do? And you put yourself in a loop and you can't get out. It's super important to just kind of disconnect from the numbers and pay attention to the people in your chat. You're seen as a father figure for the community. Yeah. In many ways. People call you Dadza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, huge announcement. We are hosting a free live show on July 15th, and the production value is completely bonkers. You are not going to want to miss this. I'm going to fall through the ceiling live. Am I? Are you really going to make me fall through the ceiling live? Absolutely. And if you join us, you'll have the chance to make me spin the Wheel of Misfortune, a fun game my team put together for me. You'll get to know the team that helped make this show possible and we'll run through the process from beginning to end of how this show is made. We'll also be doing a live Q&A where you guys can ask me all those deep questions that have been festering within you, boiling up that you are just dying to ask me. Do I really have to answer all these questions? Yes. I am answering all your questions. And to top it off, we'll be unveiling our new logo live. Click the link down in the description below to get notified when that is happening. Now, back to the world of Philza. Do you see yourself as kind of a father figure for the community? A terrible father figure, <laughs> but I mean, I swear all the time. Dude, it's so weird when like parents come up to me with their kids yeah. and like the kids are definitely too young to watch me. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he watches you all the time. He loves you. And I'm like, I swear so much. I am constantly saying fuck yeah. shit. I do it as a joke sometimes. Every sentence I have ends with fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and they're letting them watch, okay. It's, mm. So I don't think I'm a very good father figure. I yeah. just give advice that is like what people sometimes need to hear, I think. You know what's funny? The reason why I get called that is Will. Because I was just the older person of the group, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I'm only 34. Hey, motherfuckers, we are the same age. Okay? You talk shit about <laughs> Phil, you're talking shit about me. It doesn't hurt the- It hurts a little bit. <laughs> Do you feel pressure to live up to this role model father figure? A tiny bit, but not that much. People would try and put me on a pedestal, but I'll knock that pedestal right the fuck mm. down. <laughs> like, I'm just not the dude. I think for the most part, it's a lot of people that don't have a father in their life, mm. or their dad's a piece of shit. Bro, my dad was a piece of shit. I, I turned out all right. Yeah. I was fine. You don't need a good dad to be a nice person. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you can learn from other people. You can find role models in other people. I feel like that's a much more important way of like building who you want to be, essentially. Yeah. You know, nobody's yeah. perfect, but if you can take good aspects from other people and put them together, you can be like, okay, mm. that's the person I want to be. We talked about 
all the incredibly positive side effects of blowing up, mm -hmm. are there any negative side effects that you witnessed? When it comes to like viewership increasing, there's a lot of like hate that comes with that because they think, why is this person popular? And I didn't really experience it all that much until I joined the Dream SMP. Just a huge amount of exposure. Yeah, yeah. With more exposure comes more eyes, and with more eyes comes more people that don't like you that much. It's just basic math. Like more yeah. people watching you, yeah, there's gonna be people that like you but the people that don't like you also grows. You essentially get put on this giant pedestal of like, this person has to be perfect. Otherwise they do not deserve anything. I try not to let it bother me too much because it is such a small fraction of people. Right. And a lot of the time it's people that don't even watch you. What has been your most bizarre fan interaction? This one time I was just in a game store. Yeah. I have this sense when I know someone's wanting to talk to me. I got this feeling and I was like, I'm just gonna ignore that, it's fine. It was just this little kid just like hanging out. Yeah. But the thing that sort of indicated it a lot more to me was he said to his mom, hey mom, look at this cool gun. But like in a really weird way, like not the way a kid talks. Oh. <laughs> he definitely thought about that sentence a lot and okay. repeated it. And like after about, I wanna say like 20 seconds, he just turns around and just looks at me and just goes, hi, Phil. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm just like, Hi mate, <laughs> like I get a shock. I'm just like, oh, it was very sad what happened to you in that cave with the baby zombie. Rest in peace. Without missing a beat, yeah. I, I immediately just react to him. I just go, yes, that was very, very messed up. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I bowed back to him. Just you and this kid bowing yeah, to each other like in the back big, of a GameStop. He's like this big, we're just bowing to each other in the game, like, <laughs> game store. Just like, what am I doing? So what's next for Philza? Do you have any big projects in the works? Nothing crazy. I'm pretty chill. I'm like, mm. I'm, I'm quite happy just staying in my own lane, just like chugging along. I just enjoy like playing the game that I love and just like hanging out, talking the chat. Like, I don't want to do anything crazy. I don't have any huge plans. Yeah. A lot of people feel like they have to have a huge lofty goal that they're working toward yeah. and they're made to feel lazy if they don't. But in reality, isn't what we really want in life to be content? I think so, yeah. I fully understand people that want to have lofty goals and they want to do like everything. I get it, but like, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. <laughs> you mean you're good living in the moment as I'm the moment good. exists? Yes, <laughs> I'm very happy in this moment right now. It's great. What is it about doing what you do that brings you the most joy? I get a lot of messages from people saying like, oh, I had a shit day, but like I turned on your stream and now I'm happy. And I keep telling everybody I'm just playing block game. Yeah. I'm literally just a dude behind a desk. But if I can provide a space for people to be safe, acknowledged, you know, feel valid and just comfortable, mm -hmm. like that's, that's an amazing thing. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't change that for the world. That's just so cool. I spent a day with Vilza, and one thing that really sits with me is his perspective that failure is an inevitable, necessary part of growth. Which makes me wonder, how many of the things in my life that I once considered to be catastrophic failures were actually the catalyst for the things that I now appreciate most? In loving memory of Technoblade. The funniest part is like the misinformation of me being old goes so far that like people actually think I'm like 50. <laughs> like it's gotten that bad. People will have this sudden realization that I'm not 50 and be like, what the fuck? Wait. <laughs> I see when, when your name is brought up, old, old. Yeah, it's just a meme at this point. It's probably just the 12 year olds too. Anyone over the age of 20 when you're 12 is old. True. It's really weird when you pass the age in which your parents gave birth to you. Oh, do I think about that? Oh yeah. God, Anthony. Yeah. I know. <laughs>